We're going to be looking today at how to have the best Thanksgiving ever. Now, I know immediately what some of you are thinking. You may be thinking about food or you're thinking about some other sort of activity, but we're going to think about it a little differently today, and we're going to try to think about how to have the best Thanksgiving ever according to what the Bible has to say. Now, I want to steal a little phrase. I know that this is not exactly what the Apostle Paul said or was talking about related to Thanksgiving, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Paul makes a statement that we're going to kind of get started with today, and here's the statement. He says, and now I will show you the best way. Now, he's talking about um, to the church there in Corinth, but, but we have to admit that there's, there, every way's not best. Everything can't be the best or nothing's the best. You've heard me say this before. That's one of the things I don't like about everybody getting a trophy is if everybody gets a trophy, then a trophy doesn't really mean anything. You see, to compete, you got to have winners. Now, we're all winners in some sense in that we participate and that we work hard and all that, but, but if nobody's the winner, then there's really not a game. All right, so there's, there is a best way. And in this particular passage that Paul was talking about, he wanted to show the church in Corinth what was the best way. So we're going to look today at the best way to think about this holiday season and have ourselves the best Thanksgiving. Now, some of you may think back to some really good Thanksgivings, and I'm sure there are many. But we want to look at having a quote-unquote best Thanksgiving ever. Now, before we get started, I want you to think about something you have heard before maybe an analogy where people talk about something that is good, things that are better, and then things that are what? Best. Okay, so I want you to just kind of have that in your mind, the whole concept of good, better, and best. Before we do that, I want you to think about this as well. You realize there's only two verses in the Bible that talk about being thankful. And you're going, wait a minute now. And those are in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, there's a phrase in there that says, always be thankful. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, let us be thankful. Those are actually the only two verses that are translated that we need to be thankful. You're saying, wait a minute, I know a lot of other verses. No, they don't say to be thankful, they say to what? To give thanks. I want to read just a few of the scores of verses in Psalms 107, verses 1 through 2, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Look at Psalms 106, 1. Shouldn't be hard. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. So the Bible repeats itself, right? In Psalms 100, verse 4, Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says what? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's a good thing to be thankful. The Bible tells us to be thankful. But it's a better thing to give thanks. There is a difference between being thankful and giving thanks. And so today, when we think about having the best Thanksgiving ever, we want to move from the attitude of Thanksgiving, which is good, to the action of Thanksgiving, which is giving thanks. 
which is way more important than being thankful. It is good to be thankful. We do need to start with the attitude of thanksgiving. Some of you have heard the little catchy phrase, an attitude of gratitude, all right, which is this feeling, if you will, of thanksgiving. But we have to learn as Christians, if we want to move in the right direction, that a better way to show thanksgiving is to give thanks than to just be thankful. This is not illustrated in a scripture any better than in the story that Jesus tells, or the scriptures tell us of Jesus, of the healing of the ten lepers. Have you ever remember that story? Jesus, as you well know, was a man while he was on earth who moved from town to town doing miraculous things. From the point of his earthly ministry that started when he turned water to wine at the marriage of Cana, he began a journey that led him throughout the region doing miraculous things and teaching and things of this nature. One of those stories is recorded in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And I would ask if you would to stand with me. If you're able to stand, if you're on crutches or don't need to stand, you are excused, okay? Um, to honor the public reading of the word. This is from Luke chapter 17. It says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. May God bless the public reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, this particular story is full of some really good information. And there are a lot of truths in this story. And so we want to first understand the story, and then we want to talk about how it applies to the concept of giving thanks. The first thing we notice about the story is that Jesus is doing what he does moving between a specific place here, between where? But on the border between Galilee and Samaria. He enters a village, very clear. He enters a village, and while he's doing whatever it is he's doing, teaching, talking, traveling, we are introduced to 10 new characters in the story, and these 10 characters are identified as what? They are lepers. Now, we don't know for certain if leprosy that's spoken of here is the actual, literal, same Hansen's disease, but it was clearly um, something that was very much identified by lots of skin problems. And these people were ostracized because of the skin problems that they had. Very likely several of them may have had leprosy. Others may have had different skin diseases. Remember, we're in a pre-modern world, so we don't have full understanding. But when a person was... was Get seen to have and diagnosed with one of these skin diseases that they felt was very unclean, that was very contagious, what they did is they literally put them out of their family, they put them out of their so social network, they were outcasts, and they only could gather with other people who had leprosy. 
And so they were resigned to these leper colonies, if you will, where they were stuck in a particular place. Uh, we find some historical readings that tell us that they had to carry around some sort of device to maybe like a bell or something to let people know they had to cry out so that people would be able to be avoid them. So, I mean, these, these are troubled individuals, okay? Not only do they have severe physical skin problems, if you've ever seen pictures of someone with leprosy or, or terrible skin diseases, I mean, it, it eats away at their, their outsides, they are, they're in kind of pain, discomfort, but beyond just the external discomfort, imagine the, the, the social and the mental and even the spiritual pain that would go along, go along with being ostracized, with everyone trying to avoid you. And on top of that, in their particular religious world we've looked at before, when someone is afflicted with a disease, what do the Jewish people tend to think about them? That they are being punished for their sins. So imagine yourself being a person who not only has a terrible skin disease, imagine yourself as a person who's been removed from your family and everything that you know and you love, but on top of that, everyone thinks it's your own fault because you're a terrible, wretched sinner and a bad person. These are troubled individuals, okay? kind of makes some of our troubles seem a little smaller when you think about the people who have real troubles. And that's, that's important, right? When we think about the fact that really we don't have it so bad as some people do. These people had it bad. No doubt they had heard that Jesus was coming to town. This hope, this chance maybe, if you will, for something good to happen. All right, which if you're in their condition, any glimmer of hope is more than what you have. So they hear about Jesus or, or they run into him, but somehow or another they know. So the Bible tells us they cry out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They know their need. They need some help, big time help. And Jesus, what does he do? We sing about it oftentimes. We believe he was a way maker, a promise keeper, a, a disease taker, all those things. We, why, do, why do we sing those songs? Because that's what he did when he was here. And so he tells them, these 10 people, he says, looks at them. Obviously, we assume that he has compassion, love. Maybe he feels their pain, their struggle. I can feel it, so I can only imagine how much Jesus felt it. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, some of you may be wondering, why does he say that? Well, the only prescription to get out of the leper colony or to have a declaration of a clean bill of health was to go to the priest, and the priest had to sign off on it. Remember, they didn't have doctors and such in the same way, so the Old Testament pres prescription was you went and showed yourself to the priest, and if he deemed you as healed, then you could be removed from this particular station or situation in life. And so Jesus says, go so, show yourselves to the priest. Now, this isn't today's message, but I want you to just think about the act of faith that they had here. I mean, because the priest isn't somebody that you just can get right in to see. I mean, you got you to gotta be believe that something has happened for yourself to do this because he's not just somebody you can go walk up and see. He's going to have to go out of your way. You're going to have to go there. But he tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, we could talk a long time about that. See, their faith in action is what brought about their healing. It wasn't just their faith. It was as they acted, they were cleansed of their leprosy. As they're going to respond in faith. So they, they responded correctly, all 10 of them. I mean, whether it was uh, group think or whether it was 
you know, they were coerced or whether they went along with the crowd. All ten of them made a decision that we're going to trust this guy. What else do we got to do? So they go on their way to the priest. And as they're going to the priest to get a clean bill of health, what does the Bible tell us? They are actually healed. Now, it doesn't matter what type of person you are. If you are in this station in life and you receive a miraculous healing, you're going to have some level of gratitude. You're going to be thankful, right, for what happened. No doubt these ten men were all thankful to some degree, thankful that they no longer were going to be in this particular condition or in this particular state. But notice only one does what? What does it say? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, So they're going along the way. They all begin to notice, wait a minute, I don't have leprosy anymore. These these legions, this thing is happening and I'm getting better. Can you imagine their excitement? I mean, there's probably shouting. I'm sure some are crying. They're weeping for joy. Somebody's probably dancing. I mean, you can only imagine the enthusiasm and the excitement for what has just happened. But only one of them, as he notices that he's healed, does what? he turns around and he goes back to Jesus to give thanks, right? He falls at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Interestingly enough, kind of this little salt in the wound of everybody there, the one of the ten was what? A Samaritan. The one who probably shouldn't have. But he was actually the one who was grateful enough to come back and give thanks. Now, we see an interesting thing here about Jesus, Jesus' response here. He asks, didn't I heal ten men? I mean, weren't there ten people who had leprosy here just a little while ago? There were ten of them. And look what he asks. Where are the other nine? Jesus kind of cuts through it all, right? He's like, hey, there was ten. There was ten. What happened to the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So in this particular encounter, we see ten people who receive blessings and healings beyond what they deserve. Nine of them, while grateful possibly, or maybe we're surmising too much, they obviously go on to the priest. Maybe they, they go try to glorify God. Who knows what they go do. But they don't go back and thank the person, God, who heals them. Does it sound like Jesus is pleased with their response or displeased with their response? It seems pretty obvious to me that Jesus is displeased with a response that does not offer thanks for what has been done. Now, when we we see that, then we may ask ourselves some questions. Does Jesus need to be thanked? Does Jesus need something from us? I don't think so. I think it's really more about what they needed You see, the other nine got a physical healing, but they missed maybe the most important thing, which was a connection 
to God. Because now all they're going to go do is continue to live their life, whereas this man meets his maker, and he genuinely gives thanks for what was done. Let me ask you a question. While no one in here is a literal, physical leper, everyone in here has been infected with the leprosy, quote-unquote, of what? Sin and brokenness. When Walter said, what is he thankful for today? The forgiveness offered to us on the cross. You see, that's our opportunity to be cleansed of a spiritual leprosy, if you will, the opportunity to have forgiveness. How many of us have been blessed beyond belief? You realize just by the fact that you had a vehicle to get here today, you're wealthier than most people who've ever lived. The fact that you have clean clothes to wear, the fact that you're going to have to choose where you want to go eat when you leave here. I mean, isn't that what we do? Where are we going to go eat? Are we going to go make something? Are we going to go buy something? What do you want? What do you want? How often does that even that discussion turn into an argument between husbands and wives and kids and parents? Think about how ungrateful we really can be. We are so blessed. Look, the fact that we can hear. How many people can't even hear? The fact that we can see. How many people can't see? The fact that we can stand, walk, all of these tremendous blessings. You've heard me tell the story about the day on vacation years ago whenever I was putting air in Marge's tire and the tire blew up and the little, the little, all the little black dust, rubber dust got in my eyes. And I was worried because I couldn't see for like 20 minutes. And I mean, I just remember the panic and the, everything that set in. And I'm not going to lie, part of me in that moment said, man, Some of the things that we don't think about often are the most important. What in your life have you been tremendously blessed with that you should be extremely grateful for? Do you focus on that? Or do we tend to focus on what? How things are not how we would like for them to be. We have this nature within us. It's unfortunate, but it seems to be the reality that we think about what's not going right. We think about what we don't have. We think about what we wish we did have instead of focusing on the things that we do have. One of the things that Bob suggested last week and my wife was doing this week is, is making a journal, writing out all of the things that you have to be thankful for. I want to challenge you to do that. And as you get page after page of all of the things that you have to be thankful for, you'll be amazed at how small and diminished all of your troubles will become. That old Christian hymn, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. What a way to physically give thanks. You know, these men were all recipients of something tremendous from God. Every one of us are recipients from some, of something tremendous from God. 
nine of them took what was given. Maybe they felt grateful, but they forgot to do what? To give thanks to the God who had given it to them. And that leads us to what is best. You see, it is definitely better to give thanks than to just be thankful. But it's best to give thanks to the Lord. You see, some people give thanks to Mother Earth. Some people give thanks to karma or to what good fortune may has come upon them. Or they give thanks to other people or they give thanks to the wrong place. Listen, the best way to have a true thanksgiving is to give thanks to the Lord. It's right action. You see, it's good to have an attitude of gratefulness. It's better to give thanks because you put your attitude into action. But the best way is to engage in the right action. What actions are you engaging in to truly give thanks? One of the reasons that we like to do stuff like this is because these are physical ways to teach kids that, hey, we don't just say thanks, we show thanks. And if you have a kid in here and you want to you know, tell them, hey, look, the reason that we're bringing the food up there is because there may be folks who don't have as much as we have. And so we want to demonstrate our thanksgiving to God by helping other people. And so what do we do? We literally bring something here. We literally sometimes do what? Maybe we go to someone else and we tell them, thank you for what you have done. When we pray, we pray to God and we say, thank you, God. There's not one prescribed set of actions that is a formula. But if we never engage in actions of giving thanks to God, are we truly thankful? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of the nine. I don't want to be somebody who just receives and is the beneficiary of all the good things that God has done, and just to be generically thankful or just to have a heart of gratitude, which is all good. No, I want to go back and I want to thank Jesus for what he has done. When is the last time that you thanked Jesus for saving you? Thanked him for forgiving you of your sins. Thanked you for showing you mercy and protecting you from yourself, protecting you from others. You know, the best way to give thanks to the Lord is in right action. As we think about this week, nothing any more significant than just a calendar where we try to designate a day, which I think is great. But it should be, as believers, a constant part of our psyche, of our attitude, of our action, where we're truly giving thanks to the Lord for everything that He has done. In your life, I want you to think for a moment. What actions can you take this week that would demonstrate thanksgiving to God. Surely, 
you and I don't want to be what? A disappointment to Jesus. I'd like to be one of the people that's really in the top 10%. I'd like to be one of those people that Jesus says, man, where was everybody else? But he, guess what? By nature, I was there. I want to be one of those people, and I want you to be one of those people who come back and give thanks to Jesus for everything that he has done. If you do that, it'll make it the best Thanksgiving ever. You'll still enjoy all the turkey and all the whatever else goes along with it because that's a lot of fun and we all like it. But it will pale in comparison to the feeling of satisfaction that you and I will have in our hearts for truly thanking God for all the things that He has given us, that He has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be like the one man who truly gave thanks to you by coming back, by leaving the crowd, by taking the time to honor you. Lord, as we seek for ways to do this in our own life, help us, show us how to do this. Lord, we are extremely grateful. And I pray, Lord, that our gratitude would be revealed through our actions, through the right kind of actions that we have learned from your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.